0: 12 rows back for episode 20 the big 2o it's been a fantastic journey so far looking forward to getting into this episode in particular
1: seb how are you traveling ah uh, fantastic Tom always a pleasure seeing a good self on a, uh, a Tuesday night
0: fantastic and you're you're happy now the ruse have sorted out the coaching issues and they've gone David noble is the the man to lead you into your next era yeah
1: he was the noble choice uh, I think I think he's um I think he's got a lot of Experience as not an AFL coach that will help him succeed. So, coaching the sample, he's done a lot of assistant stuff. Uh, been up there with Chrissy Fagan, who also hadn't had a head head coaching gig, but was an older, a seasoned gentleman. Um, and Fagan's had pretty good success up there with that young list. So, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do with our young talent over the next few years.
0: Absolutely, he he definitely has done um, every job you could think of in the AFL industry really he's been you know assistant coach he's coached um you know the reserves even back in the day he's yeah been in the box been in boardroom meetings i think he's an all-rounder and he's just going to give you that little stability i think you need in this period so i was pretty happy for your boys to see that but look that that's the live events but we're we're looking forward now we this is a, a special episode today we we uh we love the AFL but it's not a perfect product so we've put our brains together this week to come up with some on-field and off-field changes that we think will just take the game to the next level. Now, some of them are easy fixes and easy to get into, and some of them are big picture 50-year-plus things. So we're just, we've just canvassed it all, and we're going to put it all out there, and, and we definitely want your feedback at 12 at Uh Give us
1: your thoughts. Now, I just want to clarify something. You said we love the AFL. We love Australian rules football. Oh, yeah, no, a fair call on that. I'm saying from this seat in this garage, I do not love the AFL. They're <laughs> money grabbing and it's all about increasing the TV product, to get TV money, not actually looking after the clubs and growing the game in the right way. But... Yeah, no. That's what we're here to do. Like Slip of the tongue, list, that one, wasn't it? So like, it's
0: Aussie rules that we're after. We love the Aussie rules, but yeah, we love the, sport, love the sport.
1: Can't stand the administration. Well, I can't stand the administration. I'm, I'm, well, I'm well outspoken. So <laughs> That's what we're I here. That's what we're here made, to do. I don't think I've made any, a secret having run this podcast. Uh, so Gil, if you're listening, you can just literally start a committee for every single one of these. And in 25 years, the game will be in much better shape. Or... Well,
0: we've done his homework for him. Yeah, I, I encourage you, Gil, get, get us in there and, and we're happy to work on reinstating a few of these uh, ideas and getting them done and getting them into our game. You want to kick us off, Seb?
1: Yeah, well, we, we both came up... So we, we went away separately and just came up with our own lists of what we think can sort of improve the game. We both had this one, um, different approaches, but getting rid of the ruck nomination rule now I think I think the rule, the nominating thing, just needs to go. And I actually like the idea of just having one ruckman to protect said ruckman. Um, but I just think it's simple. You don't need to nominate. You throw it up, and
0: yeah, two players. Only go one for player it. from yeah. each club
1: can jump for it. You can't have a third. If two jump, two Collingwood jumpers go up free kick, St Kilda. Um, <laughs> the the third man up. I can see why it was brought in to sort of protect the traditional Ruckman. Um, and I'm a fan of that because I think they can have a huge impact. And there's like, it's great watching that Nui and, and Goldstein and Gorn just go up and tap it. Um, you know, sorry to bring this one up, but when Paddy Ryder was at fort and just tapped it over his head to Robbie today, that was a thing of beauty. <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that one stung. Uh, it's still, still too soon to bring that one up. But yeah, um... Yeah, so you're you're saying the third man up should remain out of the game, or are you happy to bring it in, and bring it back?
1: No, leave it leave it out of the game. Well, I I like the the intention behind this rule was good. The execution was um, it was like a um, you know, Rob Shiner's a PE teacher in Year Seven came up with this idea, so everyone got to go. No, 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 come on, who's going up now? You and you. All right, let's it, do it, it
0: was right. schoolboyish, wasn't it? Or- we are
1: grown men. Grown men, just two jumpers, free kick, and, and they'll quickly, they'll quickly start policing themselves to play.
0: Yeah, look, I don't mind it. I, I did go, uh, bring the third man up back, just because I, you know, we're sort of talking about congestion, congestion busting activities. And, you know, there wasn't anything better than that than late in a game, a bloke coming from three deep and smacking it 15, 20 meters out of a pack into open space. So I, I think it's, it's worth considering. I, I, you know, I've always talked up the ruck craft. um. So I do enjoy seeing, you know, two great players go at it uh, 1v1. But yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, as a The clock ticks in those thrillers. I think, you know, if you watch the 2016 uh, Dogs v. Giants game and, you know, that every one of those third man ups was an unpredictable part of that thrilling finale. So I think that is missing from the game. And yeah, pack around it, smack it out of the zone, opens it up a little bit. That's just my thought on that one.
1: The Ruckman can still do that.
0: True, but if you've got that, I mean, the third man up, you sort of see come in unopposed, which is why it's just a bit more effective because, you know, the two rucks, you know, they sort of cancel each other out and it, it, look, it should, if they're good enough to get a huge tap, get that 20 metres, but you don't seem to find it. Maybe that's just something to do with the modern ruck craft, but it just either goes forward or teams are smart and they don't let it get out the back and it doesn't really escape a five to 10 metre area around that one. So... Look, just yeah, It
1: is yeah, it is much more statistically likely to drop within a... I think it's like a metre radius of where the ball up was if you just have two ruckmen, And it's because they don't run up and jump anymore. They just sort of run into each other and then wrestle.
0: Yeah, which um, is where, like, a third man up, they actually get that run and jump. So that, that's just why I like that one. But I can see, yeah, I can see both sides of it. But it's tied to the same issue, like the nomination rule. I'm with you there. It was, oh, who's going up? Umpires asking for names. It was... It was uh, amateurish, so I think uh, I'm with you on that one. That one's got to go.
1: One of my bugbears has been the way the deliberate out-of-bounds rule has been officiated, and the, the AFL think it's great that they've tightened it up and made the players have to have sufficient intent to keep it in. Now, what I hate is the fact that, depending on what part of the ground you're in, your level of intent changes. So if you're kicking it into your forward line, you can have absolutely no intent to keep it in. You can actually have the intent to put it out, but because it's gone forward, it's all right. If you're in defense under pressure, just getting it out of the area, you have to make sure it doesn't bounce incorrectly. So if the AFL want to keep that up because it keeps the game flowing, you can have it the last clean possession and it goes out of bounds, free kick. Then there's no – what's he supposed to do? There's no query like that. Um, Or you can take it a step back and just actually watch and go, yep, if he deliberately kicks it out of bounds, it's a free kick, no matter where on the ground. So if you just hack kick it forward and it bounces and rolls out, that's the same as a hack kick out of defense, bounces and rolls out. So you've just got to apply the rule the same no matter where on the ground.
0: Yeah, look, that one's interesting. I lean towards actually the, you know, last possession rule just because I think applying the same rules across the ground, I think it's a grey area if you had a ping and it bounced out of bounds, had a ping at the goals and it, it bounced out of bounds. Um, you know, you could argue deliberate, you could argue I was having a shot, but I think it's cleaner if it's last touch. So I'd favour the last touch, I reckon.
1: Yeah, well, that's the same as a defender. It's just he's having a ping out of defence. He's just trying to get it out of where he is, and that's well. No, true.
0: But then you know, if you're having a ping at the goals, you could say I was having a shot and I shanked it, like, or is it just bad luck in your books? Well,
1: if you want one, you get the other. Yep, it's bad luck. Um, I prefer that. It's easier to adjudicate the last clean possession. Yeah, that's Um, probably what we want. But
0: simple, more simple, um, you know, simple rules to umpire.
1: Um, more black and white in terms of the rule. Um, but look, this all also extends onto, and anyone who's watched any sort of footy, this will be no secret to, they officiate the last 10 minutes of a grand final, particularly if it's close, a hell of a lot different than they officiate any other game through the year. Yeah, that that's correct. And then everyone says, geez, that's done well. They're just letting them play. They've been Not so much they put the whistles away, but they're not paying any of those ticky-touch wood-free kicks and all that sort of stuff baffles the mind that you can officiate one part of the game one way and another part of the game another. The rules are the rule. Yeah, and true. Yeah, it's completely accepted because it makes the theatre, and this is the media pushing this narrative. So if the theatre's greater, we, you know, we've got a better product and we've got more to talk about and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I think you just need to get your rules, stick to them, and make them clear. I think that's the problem with this, and I think we might get into the holding of the ball later. It's not the, the umpire; they've gone from the rule says if they put it out of bounds deliberately, it's a free kick. It's gone from that to if they haven't had sufficient intent to keep it in when they've kicked it, it's on them. And yet, you can watch them kick it from sixty five with no forwards, and you hear the commentator say, "Yeah, best result, he's out of bounds." Yeah, like, that, that's they a classic get a point, line. The other yeah, that's team's right. Got it. And yet, you, if you look at it, it's like, well, they made no They actually wanted it to go out. Logically, that player would have preferred it to go out of bounds. But because the AFL hasn't given an instruction to the umpires to pay that as a deliberate out-of-bounds free kick, they don't pay it. And we just have this, any time a player kicks it near the boundary, fans just stick yeah, their arms out it, and go, that's, <laughs> deliberate.
0: And it's the home ground free kick that we always see, isn't it, that one?
1: See, five years ago and you would know this well, having attended a few football games with me, I would stand up almost no matter the scenario and just say deliberate. And now everyone's <laughs> sort of cotton that. on that you can stand up and say it and they might pay it. They might give it deliberate out of bounds because you just don't know where these – Yeah, if an- I'm about to call them uh, white maggots because they don't wear <laughs> white anymore. Yeah, true.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, look, I'm with you there. Um Well said, well put. I mean, there's another one that I get annoyed about that I just wanted to cover just quickly, which is the protected zone around the mark. So, I don't mind it as a concept, but I just think it needs more of a common sense approach. There's 50 metres, massive penalty in our game. So, for a bloke, you know, maybe chasing his man or, or trying to get to a spot that he's meant to be on the ground gets, you know... 5.7 meters near the guy you know having his kick doesn't affect him in the slightest but then to have him go oh oh, he's too close and then get 50 for that kind of stuff i i just don't like seeing that in our game and then i don't see like when the 50 is given both players sprinting madly to the mark because there might be a chance for another one and you get a little double up um josh caddy's probably enjoying what i'm saying here given that he was on the receiving end during the year but um, it it's a, it's a rule that it's another one of those ones that can be over-adjudicated. Not enough common sense is applied. I mean, yes, players should concentrate and they shouldn't get in that area, but, geez, it is a rough penalty for a, you know, a slight slip. And it, it we haven't seen it change a game. Well, that caddy one, for example, might have changed the game, but we haven't sort of seen it on a wide scale. But it's just one where you shake your head. It's just a really over-the-top penalty for what it is. So I don't... I don't want to see it, you know, twenty-five or fifteen or distances changed. I just think it's just a common sense one for the ump's. Just, you know, was the player trying to stop him, or was he just in the wrong spot? You know, I just think it's adjudicated poorly. So common sense for me, on that one for the ump's.
1: So common sense now with the no east west running.
0: Yeah, well now there's just all more confusion there, isn't there?
1: That's going to be chaos in round one because they're going to pick. They either pick one out on Thursday or the Friday night. Um, so either, what are we going to have? We're going to have Carlton, yeah, Carlton, Carlton Richmond on Thursday. Just... And I think the Dogs of Collingwood will play on the Friday. I've got a few. Oh, that's, um, that's a good one. Um, but in one of those games, they're going to pay this. And it's just going to look absolutely stupid. But that's the new rule. And it'll be adjudicated for three weeks and it'll go. Yeah, that's And then it'll right. come back sometime halfway through the year. Um I don't see the need for this rule at all. Um, It's it's to encourage quick ball movement, but the teams who want to move the ball quickly will. The teams who don't, won't. And having this rule has not, in my mind, changed it one iota. Like, this protector zone hasn't changed it. It, We've just had more stupid looking free kicks. And, and, you know, we actually had a great opportunity this year with... um, with sport almost all around the world cancelled or in the off-season through the US, and our game was on. And if you looked on Twitter, all the Americans couldn't work out what half of these free kicks were. Yeah, like, that's someone's right. Someone's going to have to explain these rules to me. And, like, how, how can you explain that one? It makes almost no sense. Um, it's just one of those... It's one of those ones they brought in that they just didn't need to.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I mean. And, yeah, it, it can get over-adjudicated. I think, you know... When you have common-sense approach, that's what I've got here at the notes. It's just something that just goes out the window when it's just needlessly complicated or needlessly added. Well, yeah. speaking now, of needlessly complicated, you want to jump yeah. in this oh, next before,
1: one? Before we go on, I just want to point out to these fans. Look, like you've picked up Ben Brown. Well done. <laughs> Good footballer. Now, with with that rule where if you get bumped running on three or 50, you get another 50. I've watched Ben Brown take a mark on the wing, get 50, so the mark was going to be set 35 out, and I watched him get it, sprint the 50, then come back another 30 metres. So he sprinted 50 metres forward, run back 30 to start his run-up, to run in 25, to be shot on goal. That's how dumb that rule is. <laughs> oh Absolutely man. dumb. Now, um, I can't explain this to most people, um, and I like to think I've got a really good grip on what is and what isn't, holding the ball, but there are still many situations where they just get it completely wrong in my mind, but it might not be wrong in your mind and it might be half right in someone else's mind. Um, holding the ball. Now, it's currently adjudicated if you have prior opportunity to get rid of it, you must get a clean disposal. Um, if there's no prior opportunity, you must make an attempt. Now, this making an attempt business yeah. is absolute dog doo. <laughs> That's the nicest way you could have said that. Now, the Dogs of 2016 should be thankful this was the rule because they genuinely won a flag playing some sort of backyard rugby. Just their quick <laughs> hands were genuine throws. Yeah. Um, but so long as the ball keeps moving, the umpires are told to call play on. Well, why teach the skill of handballing? Like, KB should have been around in this year. Well, no need for a handball. Um, but they it ju- just doesn't matter what you do. Like, so long as you're making an attempt, it's all right. I think it just... If there's prior opportunity, then you must make a correct disposal. If no prior opportunity, you must make an attempt. But if the attempt results in incorrect disposal, it's still bloody incorrect disposal. Yeah, that's fair. Like, simplify it. Um, on top of that, if you're on the ground and a player is sitting on you, you do not have to try and wriggle.
0: Yeah. You just can't You oh, can I don't can't like getting that either. We do on that.
1: It, that one, the one where they've got two arms around you, like these are grown men. you you can't just get you're not going to get your arm free and it's not it's just baffling but apparently it must be a better look for the AFL like tell me if I'm wrong on this no no
0: I'm shaking my obviously the listeners can't see but I'm I'm agreeing with you throughout this that's probably the most succinct way we've heard it described because every, every sort of game you watch you could get a different interpretation of this it's all over the shop I mean yeah like we mentioned before if it's hot on a Friday then it's hot all weekend and yeah I, I just don't like that yeah move it on so much that it's turned into a throw and yeah yeah, I, I fully agree with you there Seb so I'm I'm, I'm campaigning with you on that one I, I mean does it not say I mean if you have no prior does that not mean you can't make an attempt so I mean if you have had no chance to get rid of it then you've got no chance to get rid of it ball it up and we go again Is that too simple a way to view it?
1: No, it's not. Um, But what is... Like, I mean, yeah, I understand that... If you've had no chance, if you've had no chance to get rid of it, but you've still got one arm and one leg free, should you not then keep it moving?
0: Yeah, well, that's fair. But then, yeah, does that get into a grey area about how much of an effort you... I mean, then the umps are making a decision, oh, he had... An arm and two legs free. He he could have got rid of it. That is hard to make in the spur of the moment. So I'm just well, looking apparently- at it a way that trying to try, is just trying to simplify it. I know, like, I mean, there's times where it's basically hot potato, and then you know you could handball to the bloke next to you, and you've gotten rid of it. But really, um, you know, should should you be penalised because maybe as a uh, team in a group? you had your your prior, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, it's full of gray areas and I'm I'm sort of struggling to get my head around just how you could just make this as simple as possible. I mean, I I think it's too simplified, I guess, to say, look, if you had a chance to get rid of it, didn't, it's a free kick, but it's just so gray in our game just with, I think, a few other rules that have come in and a few, um, yeah, few ways the umpires have adjudicated it's a bit all over the shop so I, I just don't i think it's just worth cleaning it up um how we do that yeah <laughs> uh, that might be a, another podcast i reckon
1: the other part of this rule i hate is when a player is tackled and you've got he's got he's been effectively been chicken wing the arms pinned behind him and he's either on the ground or he's just got one arm with the ball free. So the ball's free and he can't get rid of it. And he can't make an attempt because his arm's in. And that's called holding the ball. And it it baffles the mind because you just think logically, what can he do? He's not allowed to throw it. In that situation, if you throw it, it's a throw. But if you you swing your arm and miss and throw, that's not a throw. Um, I've seen a lot of really like, and, and the crowd's just waiting for him to pay it, the umpire to pay it. But he's always oh, got his one arm free and he's on his knees so he can't kick it he can't handball it he he can't make an attempt the rules say you must make an attempt so he's got to like try and swing his arm around it's just like have some common sense that's that's a running theme through these rules yeah, There's common, no common sense. sense to the people bringing them in so another rule that can just go jump in the sea is contact below the knees now it was brought in on the back of a freak accident really with um Lindsay, Lindsay Thomas. Thomas
0: and Gary Rowan.
1: Um, and Adam Goods used to do it a little bit, slid in. But, you know, Lindsay got Gary Rowan and really hurt him. I haven't seen it, it happen since, but I've still seen players recklessly go at the ball. Now, I, I just think if the player goes in as recklessly, and I don't think Lindsay did, was reckless. I think it was well, it, really it, just the it was wrong place, wrong time. It was but, a
0: wet day that day too, which is another part of this thing. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I just think if a player, if you watch it back, and the player does go in recklessly and hurts the other player, because the ruling, the MR, MR O, officer, he does half the time they look at what the injury is, not the actual action. Like you know, that's madness in itself. But if, if you apply that logic over here, if they slide in and the player is seriously hurt, then they can get suspended. If they don't play on, like the, the, having them slide in and then it becomes a debate of who got to the ball first well actually he was still running to the ball so the guy sliding in got the ball first and then the other guys run in over him, like which way do you, do you rule it, and we're talking split second decisions where, you know you've seen how hard some of these players attack the pill like they are going and that's, that's the wall. And that's what
0: the fans want to see I, I think with this one it was a poorly made rule from the start because you know, we're talking this, you know, breaking the leg type injury, and that was from players coming from way out of the play and just throwing their bodies from afar into the play, but the whole rule actually became anything below the knee. So, even if it was you know, the ball dropped low, you're in a, you know, the vicinity maybe one or two metres away and you went to grab it, which is what we've been taught and what we've loved seeing, players throwing their body on the pill from close range, um, that got dragged into this. So, that to me, you know, yes, it might still hurt a knee, hurt an ankle, but it wasn't a leg-breaking type of action. But it's just been lumped in with this whole thing because it's below the knees. I think it should have, if it was ever going to be a rule, just be you can't come from, you know, outside of the play and slide in. Not, you know, it's below the knees, you can't drop it because, you you know, can't drop and grab it because, yeah, that, that's what we want to see. We want to see two players going for it, you know, throwing their bodies on the line, yeah, in the fi- in finals in particular, yeah, as we said even before the rucks, the ball goes you know one two meters in front. You know it's close, it's tight. I don't think you know it needed to be adjudicated in that sense. It was really for those freak you know, yeah, like it was wet day. He came from five meters out and slid in, you know, to a player that can't see them. But I think in those close ones, you know, you've got full vision. You know it's coming. You want to get the ball. You want to yeah. It just poorly made rule, poorly adjudicated rule really underused rule. I think none of us will miss it. I think that one can go. That's a a good one from you, I reckon, Seb.
1: Yeah, that can get in the sea. Um, Jumper clashes. Yeah, so... (laughs) Where should this go? Listeners,
0: you might have guessed that I put this one in, but um, it came up earlier uh, in the year. But yeah, this one's just got to be cleaned up because it's a common sense one. One team wears a dark jumper, one team wears a light jumper... Yes, I'm all for tradition and, and what we've done in the past, but geez, we've got to get with the times and we can update that. We just need, it, it should at the start of the year, once teams know what their jumpers are, because I don't think teams just make jumpers up during the season. I think that they plan it out and, and get their you know apparel sponsors sorted. So we could just have a booklet at the start of the year. Adelaide v Brisbane, it's this. Adelaide at sorry, Adelaide Brisbane at home. Uh, Adelaide at home versus Brisbane away, it's this. Adelaide versus you know who's next Carlton, and then you just go through the uh, every matchup in the teams, work out who's light and who's dark at what ground. You can accommodate one-off jumpers and specialised rounds, and it's just an easy one. I just don't want to see any more of Carlton versus Richmond where they're both wearing a dark jumper. You know, that that's just got to go. It's just not good for the viewing public at the games. It's not good for the viewing public at home. It's just, you know, a mess for the Channel 7 and and the Foxtel covering the game. I'm not surprised why there's more heat. Uh, well, in saying that, I guess, you know, there's a few higher-ups and one of them at Collingwood that's probably thrown his weight around with this one. But I just think it's an easy one. Light and dark and we work out the rest. It, it shouldn't be that hard. And we'll all benefit from watching games where we can actually make out which team's which.
1: Yeah, they do shoot the games in high def now, don't
0: they? That well, yeah, I know I know you're a big exponent of the high def, but are you telling me if you're at a game, I'm talking you know, you're high up in the southern stands and you're, you know, you can tell them apart and you can tell them with high def, but I just think as a product and as a professional sport, if we want to compete, you know, on the Australian stage, world stage whatever, we should be a professional organisation that can have a home and away or we can tell the two teams apart. You know, it, Premier League, NBA, NFL, they all do it. We should be able to do it, but we don't.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, so, I don't see it as a big issue because I've never had an issue telling the teams apart. Um, where I think it should come in is that the AFL hasn't had the, the cojones to tell some of these clubs, Collingwood, um, to wear a class jumper. And, they calling they, from black and white stripes to white and black stripes like there's there's no change um yes I, I think clubs need to move on from just the straight black and white stripes blue and white stripes blue and white hoops um, and they just need to have different sort of designs um, and I think some clubs are some clubs have tried to embrace it to sell more Guernseys you know like,
0: yeah, our clubs. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was really thinking. Here's the yellow one, there's the Argentinian one, there's there's a whole range of them. But we've worn the the jumper from the 90s, you know, with the kangaroo on the front a few times through the last few years. Um, Look, there's no reason why there shouldn't be a straight up policy that just nips that in the bud and just this is what we do. yeah, I we just. Don't, ref- no arguments. Collingwood, you're going to have to wear it. SD, you're going to have to wear it. Richmond, you're going to have to wear Correct. it. Because um, they
0: all have those jumpers. It's just, yeah, they pick and choose when they wear them. And I, I think it's a very Victorian thing. It's, you know, Richmond has a great yellow jumper that doesn't really clash. They play Carlton, then they're in their dark jumper. Work that out.
1: You're saying uh, the Victorians seem to do. Master to the
0: beat of their own drum yeah they, they, look there's a bit of that I think uh, you know West Coast and Freo and, and you know and over in Adelaide and even up in Queensland they're not afraid to uh, get in a different strip and just play uh, you know in different colours
1: so it shouldn't be all those clubs have a predominantly white strip
0: even you mean white in their colours or they've got a majority white it's strip a, oh sorry a way strip you're a, talking
1: a way strip is yeah. predominantly white with designs on it, like they've just done it and they've had it, and it, look, they've survived. know, <laughs> yeah. Like once you're out there, you're just playing footy. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, that's right. But...
1: So I certainly think that could just be that, that could be put to bed forever, really. Um, if the AFL wanted to wanted to do it. Um. Now I've mentioned this one on the podcast previously, but obviously the arc is is pretty. Uh, it's a. Look, let's, let's be blunt. It is a waste of money. Um, in <laughs> it. The there cost... it is a year where what, they're What did they lose this year? 90 million, 95 million, or something like that? It's Which, mysterious. that sounds, yeah, there you go, yeah. The... They've actually done pretty well because I yeah. think they projected a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I was thinking
0: COVID. 400s was talked about early in the year, but anyway, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, but they don't need to spend money on this. Uh, most of the time, you cannot tell. And sometimes when you think you can tell, the person in the arc says you cannot tell. Um, I I just think, and look, traditionalists won't like this suggestion, Um, but if it hits the post and goes through for a goal, it's a goal. If it hits the post and goes through for a point, it's a point. If it hits the post, it bounces back into play, it's a point or it's out on the full, like it would be currently. Um, I just think you can take all this ambiguity out and the arc just slows the game down. It doesn't, For every correct decision, for every incorrect decision it reverses, I reckon there were two more that are ambiguous. There's almost one more that looks like they actually still got it wrong with the tech, and every single one, except for the ones that are then called goals, you change the whole of the game. So it was a goal, now it's a point. Oh, we've got to all change positions. Um, It was a point. We're setting up. Now it's a goal. That's the only one where it's okay. Um, otherwise it's, we're waiting, we're waiting, yep, it's still a point, we haven't been able to overturn it, but everyone's set up, we've had time to get our rotations in, and it gives you more congestion, because the players yeah, are all, set, all set, up set up, and they know That's what's coming, um, where Where do you sit, I, look, I think most people are in grants, the arc is a useless POS, um, <laughs> but where do you sit with the goalposts? Yeah, so
0: it's an interesting one. I don't look... Uh, you you know this from me, but uh, obviously I'd I follow the whole season. So a few Wizard Cups back. Um, they had that rule where if it bounced off the post and came back in, it it was play on. And geez, it, it added a real excitement to the game. I enjoyed seeing it. You know, it was back in, other crummers there getting their spot. It was kept the play live. It kept the ball going. It kept the excitement there. I actually... I I don't mind this one. I know it's a it's a fair part of our game because a lot of sports, if it comes off the bar and goes in, it's a score. Um, we seem to buck that trend, so whether or not the traditionalists are hanging on to that as a unique part of our game, but yeah, look, I, I don't mind it. I think it, it makes sense. It takes out yeah, like you say, a lot of the decision making. I'm with you on the arc. I think, you know, you've got to just either ditch it or just keep throwing money at it. I don't think the AFL can really afford to keep throwing money at it and when I say throw money at it I mean of invest in really good quality cameras and lots of them so we can actually work out what's what but I feel like our game is so quick and so fast and you know how many cameras can you have on the Ford 50 to work these out so it's just a it's just a pool to sink money in which I don't think the game needs. I think no one enjoys seeing two minutes of arc for them to be like oh let's go with what the umpire said because we could have just done that from the start and saved ourselves a whole lot of trouble and not lost the momentum not set up the zones fully agree with you there seb i'm, I'm with you controversial idea but i am in agreement with you
1: thank you i'm normally i get massive pushback whenever i suggest that to anyone
0: <laughs> now nah, look well maybe i might be the only one but uh yeah We encourage your feedback, obviously, from from the listeners, so send in your thoughts. But, yeah, look, I'm with you on that one. I think we're just going down a path of common sense and logic, which uh, it's not a bad way to go.
1: Absolutely. Question. Yeah. And maybe the listeners can chime in. Can you name another sport where if you miss or hit the post and it goes in that you don't get the score? So... I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Most sports I can think of if it hits the post and goes through, it's a goal or, or try or yeah. touchdown or what, a field goal. Yeah. <laughs> um and I can't think of any other sport that has a reward, a point scoring for missing.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe off the top of my head the only one I can think of is potentially like Gaelic football if it goes over, you know how they have the over is worth 3, yeah. goals worth 6. Um, but if it
1: hits the post and goes through for an over, is it still an over?
0: I believe it still is because it's gone through. So yeah, that's that's a fair yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'd...
1: So I can't. I just couldn't think of one at the top of my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Know yeah, no, that we love the quirks in that game. We love the tradition. We love the quirks. But my God, well, we don't need all these other stupid rules they're bringing in that are not quirky, that are not improving the game. So um, if someone can tell me if there is another sport, I'll be very interested. Now, walk me through this one. Is, is it one or two points? You'll have to clarify this, but bonus points for scores of 100-plus through the home and away.
0: Yeah, so this this is probably... This is a fairly outside-the-box one, this one. I actually, uh, back in my days, writing on the raw.com.au wrote an article about this, only to have it pinched as an idea by Jared Waitley three months later. That's a different story. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking... Everyone's obviously obsessed with the rules and, and high scoring. P- putting aside whether high scoring games mean higher quality, um, as an idea, if we want really high scores, reward it. So, I'm thinking a extra one extra bonus point for a score over 100. So, your Rue's highest score of the year, uh, you took the four points, but maybe you take the five points and that goes to your total on the ladder. Maybe it might not make a huge difference to the positions, but it... You know, if you're playing and, you know, there's a team close to you, they're, you know, one win in front and you can really sink the boots into a team and put on a, a high score and get that five and jump them, coaches will go for it. I think, you know, if you're rewarding high scoring, then that's naturally going to come into the game. So um, that was just an outside the box one for me there. I, I think we're trying to think of these really technical ideas where, you know, how can we bust congestion? How can we, you know, make it easier for forwards to take marks? Well, if you just reward the pure scoreboard scoring, then I think that's probably the easiest way. So it is a bit of a change because our ladder is pretty pure with a draw to win four. um, And this, you know, changes that up, but I'm just thinking way outside the box. Do you think it's a a bridge too far?
1: Yep, I do. (laughs) Um,
0: Putting aside, though, because, yeah, there will be some that argue, yeah, is higher scoring football better football? But um, putting that could to side. Could it encourage,
1: could it also discourage high scoring? Now, I'll walk you through the scenario. <laughs> as soon as you have one score of 100 plus, you're on five points. Let's we'll say you win, you're on. Do you get one? If you lose 130 to 115, do you get a point? You get
0: a point. Just above that threshold of 100. Okay. Assuming, so, sorry, we go back to normal game time, you know. All which that, we will.
1: Yeah. We will. Gil rang me about that. And told me. <laughs> um, if you, it takes percentage out of the equation. So if you're not getting the bonus point, if you're just worried about winning the game, then all you have to do is win to get the four points. If you keep banking that, you don't have to worry about kicking a big score so long as you can keep your score slightly above the other team. Um, yeah, there's a little loophole in it, yeah. Just because it, it's just the way... I always thought that's what percentage was designed to encourage teams to do. If you're more attacking, you're going to score more. If you win by more, you've got a higher percentage versus another team who might also win the 13 games, but they've won by an average of 20 points and their percentage is 102 versus your 112. Um, I, I don't mind the... I think the 100 points is almost a bridge too far for whether maybe I'm biased as towards what the current scores this year were, but I I think we're going to continue to see less and less goals as the the players become more professional, the coaches implement more strategy and structure. Um, And a goal out the back really hurts you these days and clubs will do everything they can to stop it Um, versus 20 years ago they were not worried about stopping things like that. It was free-flowing. You could, you know, have 150 points a game, no worries. Um, what would be an interesting exercise is going back and look at, looking at some of those ladders through the 90s and 2000s and seeing how much they would change if you added this in. Yeah, now
0: that, that's a good point. Admittedly,
1: if it was 95 to 20 and there was two minutes to go, you could actually inject some enthusiasm <laughs> in the last couple of minutes. But um, I don't, Look, I think if that's the score, the game sort of... The game's run its run its measure by that point. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd actually love to see if it changes any previous year's ladders, you know, significantly to the point where it'd be worthwhile bringing in. Obviously, they didn't... The coaches weren't coaching for that, so that, you know, negates that idea, but just seeing whether the 100-plus does make an impact. Um, now... This rule was addressed a little bit in terms of the rule changes for the upcoming year, but rotations have been dropped I think from 90 down to 75. Yeah, that's right. I think that should go really drastic. And I'm thinking somewhere around... Well, actually, I've written down 15 per quarter, but I realise that's 60. Um, I was thinking somewhere... I think what I'm trying to say is somewhere around 20 for the game. So get rid of rotations and have subs.
0: So it's soccer style. So you're out of the game, that's the sub, and you only get sort of a certain amount per game.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying you're out of the game, but I'm saying because you've only got so many, you're not bringing Pendlebury off to then bring Taylor Adams off, to then bring what was Trelaw off, to then bring um, another midfielder off. You're not doing that over the course of, of a quarter. You're literally just going, yep, he needs a rest. He's playing poorly. Um, we want to inject some run in um, and let players really work a lot harder. For I, I think it would open the game up um, and put more strategy into what you're doing with your bench rather than currently you've got the sports science guy sitting there with an iPad going, yep, six and a half minutes. He's running right 30 seconds. He's had four minutes. He's coming on another two. Um, So-and-so has been on the ground 12 minutes. He needs to get off. Let's get him off. Like, I personally don't really enjoy watching the sports science guys do that. Like, that's not... That's not football. Do you want to watch footballers play? Um, I just think bring it right back, like drastically back. What they've done this year, will it'll make no difference. It'll be negligent in terms of what the difference is. They should have gone drastically one way and then they can recorrect. Um, having said that, if they've run out of subs and there's an obvious injury, then I would say there needs to be some sort of not loophole, but some sort of rule where they, they can sub that player out. Um, but that would obviously be a permanent yeah, so,
0: substitution. Yeah, so is does that mean there's somebody sitting on the bench, sort of green vest style, like we saw in the early 2010s, just waiting, just in nah, case?
1: No, nah, not like that. I would say one of the players who have already come off can go back on. Um, you've got to remember, you've already got... I think there's an official there watching you to change players with that little... Box. They've got to run in before they run on the ground. Yeah, you can that... do this job too. It can be there assessing whether it's a real injury or not. And sure, we might get the odd side like Sydney trying to use it to their advantage. Got a long history of putting uh, <laughs> the change blues Swans. Swans. Um, but I like. I'd love to see the game open up more um, it, rather than the rule they suggested for the VFL to have three forwards. Every stoppage, you got to have three in your forward line, three in your back line.
0: Yeah, that like, that's a recipe for disaster, if I'm being honest on that one, given that an will have to pause, have a look, and then go. Like... Yeah,
1: I'd rather limit the rotation, so you cannot... Either the players have got to get to an either another level of fitness, or you just can't have them run around on the ball the whole time, so they have to go and spend time up forward or down back, whatever the case is.
0: Yeah, look, an interesting one there. I'm going to play devil's advocate on there. I think rotations get a bad rap. So, was it not, you know, 08, 09, 10, where they really got out of control and the numbers were incredibly high? Is that, that that was sort of the era where, you know, the AFL was like, geez, we better crack down, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Seb? It was about that era. So, if you look at that era, geez, there wasn't some bad footy at that stage. You know, that those 08, 09, 10 years, we saw some fantastic teams, not just bias because the Saints were going well, but the Cats, Hawks, Pies, all playing great brand. Rotations were in vogue. Um, you know, I, I don't see them as that bad. I know you say, you know, you want the football to play and it does help the athletes, but I'm thinking, you know, late in a game, I f- actually feel we've got the wrong thinking on this front because you're talking about you want players on the field exhausted and they have to push it out and we we get you know it'll open the game up but if players are tired they're not going to kick it as far and they're not going to run as far and the game gets more packed in because they need to catch their breath so i'd rather see the athletes that they are you know working in a pre-season being fresh and going at it as hard as they can for as long as they can because they can go off and have that rest and then at the last quarter they're still fighting fit and it's still the high quality brand from fit athletes who are rested so i I'm going the opposite of that one. I, I think ditch any any rotation quotas and just have it as if teams want to do it, just let them do it. You know
1: what? So four make it six on the bench, eight on the bench. Let them really rotate and get really, really, really fresh. No, twenty well, two. twenty-two. I, no, I
0: stay on. The, I stay with the team. No, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think look, twenty-two. Maybe it's the number I've grown up used to. I feel like that that is a footy side. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could open it up and then you could have six or eight and then, it, you know, how many players can you add? How far can you go? So I think you, st- you stick with the numbers you've got now. And, yeah, look, just a little opposite to that one. I, I think rotation's so coffee bung wrap.
1: I think your you thought process is right and whatever they decide on this, they should either go extreme, like 15, 20 a game, or get rid of the cap. Don't do this half assed. Yeah, we're going to cap it at 90. We're going to cap it at 75 this year. And it's like, just limit it completely and see what happens. Or we'll just get rid of it and see what happens. Like,
0: yeah, because, I mean, there's only so many physical rotations they can do in a game. I think it got up to like 140 or maybe 150 at its prime. But, like, you know, we're talking, yeah, no, we're, I we're think, crunching I think you're 100% it down to right 90. In, so that's not that many a, a difference, you know. Yeah, I think
1: you're 100% right in saying when it was um, when it was at its peak. The players were, the the scoring was up, players were scoring more and there was, what's happened now with the um, impact on rotations is the players are resting behind the ball or in spots to congest it more rather than resting on the bench. So, yeah, I think you are 100% right there, Tom.
0: I'll take that one, little devil's advocate. So, you've got one just as our on-field rules to go out with. So, you've got Michael Christian in your gun, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's no secret that I think he's an absolute peanut, um, and has had no consistency in making any decisions. Um, he's also very compromised. I think the AFL's in his back pocket or in his uh, a little direct line to him. Um, I honestly believe if you look at every incident that he suspended someone for in the last two, or three years, however long he's been running solo, you'd be better off finding three random footy followers in the pub and asking them. And you get a more accurate, um, more accurate decision in terms of general consensus. How of, how often does he pan down a decision, and sports talk and, and people and mates and you know people at footy club just go, yeah, no, nah, he got that one wrong. Don't know what he was thinking. Like it, it's seventy five percent of the time. Right? So what what's the point of the job? Um, so I think I think he should go, and they should get a panel because clearly one man. If he gets it wrong on his own, he's on his own. No one's talking any sense to him. And get rid of the match day report for umpires. Um, Yeah, that's a good one, that one, yep. They've got so much stuff they've already got in their minds that they get wrong anyway. Don't give them another thing to get wrong. Yeah, so you're
0: talking, you know, the old-fashioned
1: pulling out the book. Yeah, they don't need to pull out the book because it's on bloody TV. (laughs) We can see what player did what. Like, they used to pull the book out to write it down so they didn't forget. Yeah. What's the point in this day and age?
0: Yeah, it doesn't you fit, does You just look
1: it? on, like, this guy, Christian, you can just look, yep, nah, incident, yep, number 23. Um, if they absolutely need to report someone and we need to keep it in, give them an on-field signal, like a really funny one. Yeah. Um, we
0: do have some good signals in our game, actually, so I wouldn't mind another one to the uh, yeah.
1: Like I know, I think the goal umpires do it when they reverse their decision, but put two hands up like a sub in basketball and just yeah, <laughs> you do that and then just point to the player. Um, but yeah, look, I think the MRO just gets it wrong far too often for it to be a, a legitimate part of the game, um, and I think the umpires have got too much on. Like I also think they should not vote on the brown line because they get geez, there's one. Yeah, I I just don't see how they can umpire the game and also see. The great things that are happening. Like how do they see all the work the forwards do off the ball and the defenders do off the ball? Yeah,
0: I'm with you there. They
1: get missed. They they pin free kicks out of nowhere. Were you watching that, or did you just think you see something? Like um, that might be a conversation for another day about uh, the brownlow. But um, come on, your tribunal thoughts? Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I'm with you. I think uh, yeah. Look, Christian's got to go. Too much power for one man. Too hard to adjudicate consistently. I actually feel like going a bit of a throwback and going back to the sort of, uh, well, I don't know, was it sort of back in the nineties days, uh, late nineties into the two thousands where you had, you have a, yeah, like you said, you have your panel. I'm thinking maybe you have a player recently out of the game, one, maybe five, one, maybe 10, one, maybe 20, then you get it all sort of the full spectrum and clubs put a case, whether the guy should get on or, or should get off or not. And, you know, the panel works out what the penalty should be. And if a club can't put through a good case, then the bloke gets more or, you know, and it does, it sort of takes out incident versus incident. It's more of a club actually getting their player off based on the rules in front of them. So yeah, look, there might be some wiggle room on that to um, just to iron out. I'm just thinking of this on the fly, but um, look, I, I think, yeah, the MRO's got to go... Yeah, it's it's got to be a bit of groupthink and people, yeah, in touch with the game, but also those that have stepped away but are still within the industry, I think would be, you know... It's basically a glorified pub chat, but you want people actually in the sport talking about it. So, um, yeah, look, I'm with you. I think it's just something is an industry we just struggle to get right. I mean, how many changes have we seen in our lifetime? We've, we've seen this... Far too far many. Far too many. So, I think we've really just got to go with something and, and give it five years, you know, we've got to give it some time and we've got to give some consistency so that we can actually sort of develop and work out what it is and how, you know, what it's doing. That might be a bit tricky if it's an absolute pear-shaped disaster and we're stuck with it for five years but I'm hoping the AFL is more professional than that but I'm with you. I think you've got to expand who can adjudicate and, you know, Start of the year, these are the clear rules, just like we were mentioning before. You make it clear, and this is what it is week to week. We're not looking for special weeks. It's just how you view it. Um, thinking out loud, maybe, you know, clubs putting a case, you do leave it open to precedents, But, I mean, if that is a precedent in that season, then that's the adjudication. So then we get some consistency. I, I don't know. But, yeah, look, <laughs> it's a tricky one to get right because we just haven't been able to do it. But
1: I, I don't think it is. I just think. I think they stuffed up trying to do the whole point system and then they thought it would be fair if they do the point system but the points, there's no way to measure how hard someone hits someone else. It's only visual so therefore it's open to interpretation. Um, All they need to do was, instead of judging the impact and the outcome, just judge the action. Yeah. Like if if he bumps him in the head, he's bumped him in the head. That can cause concussion and cause serious problems. You can hit. Someone Joel so would lead to the drop of a hat you can hit Jack Zebel who you know wouldn't know something hit him and you've got to look at the action and the intention try and look at the intentions of the player not look at the um, outcome or the well yeah is it too much result yeah
0: is it too much to ask like you know they they can probably afford to get a you know a group together and actually write out each action that they don't want to see. I don't know how long that would take or how, you know, we are talking punch to the head, punch to the ribs. Uh, be as detailed as you want, but then give a verdict for each thing. Is that, is that, I mean, there could be a textbook 600 pages long, but if it's in there and you've done it and this is what you get for it, then it's clear. Is that too yeah. simple?
1: No. And then the first two or three people who get suspended harshly, everyone will whinge and then we'll get over it and know what the rules are and we'll move on. Yeah. Um But as it stands, Christian's, Michael Christian, he's got to go, in my humble opinion. Now, there are 10 rule changes. There are 10 changes on the field that the AFL need to make. What I'm thinking, Tom, is we come back next week and we have the off-field changes.
0: I like it, Sev. I was just thinking that exact thing.
1: I just think uh, we'll just we'll just spread it out a little bit, give the listeners and, and your viewers a little time to di- digest the on-field stuff, and we have a stack of off-field stuff that will help um, help improve the game and grow the competition. Yeah, well, so,
0: dare I say, I actually found it easier to list my off-field uh, list than the on-field. So that's going to be a magnificent one next week. Um, Obviously, we want the feedback as well, 12rosebackatmr.com or Twitter or Instagram. Hit us up there. A lot of ideas, some of them outside the box, some of them not. Uh, you know, have we forgotten any as well? I'm sure there's plenty that the fans and listeners want to change. So, yeah, we want to hear it all. We want your feedback. Get, give that mailbox a go and then and we'll see what we can get. But next week, off field. I'm looking forward to that, Seb.